This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to our monthly book chat. I'm Cheryl Arkell. And I'm Caroline Overington. And I love nothing more than having a chat about books. And so does Cheryl. So we thought we would share that conversation with you. Once a month, we'll discuss book and industry news, authors, and the books you should be reading. And maybe just a little bit of gossip. Caroline Overington, we're back again. Book chat. Hello. You Hello. need to come closer to the mic. We need come to closer it. to you, or just to the mic. Just to the mic, actually. <laughs> Don't get too close to me. <laughs> well, you've been sick. I have been sick. I have. I feel as though someone needs to shoot me. Is that what they do? No, to don't old do that. horses. Uh, better reading top one hundred. Oh my god. I mean, how many I t- years have you been doing this now? I think the top 100 is year eight. This is year eight? Okay. Yes. Over 9,000 people vote. That's astonishing. And are you ever um, surprised by what's gaining momentum? Oh, always. Always. We never know what's going to be on this list because it really is one person per vote. You know, I mean, we've got it set up that you can't vote on the same computer. I don't know how that tech works. And it's always interesting what pops up in the list. So do you think some people would try to game the system and just vote for themselves multiple times? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I think I don't you think they would. I think we did have that experience way oh, back maybe when we started. I think fans maybe would, would try yeah. to. Yeah. I, actually, I do remember some kind of online prize where the fans of a particular song were upvoting a song by voting over and over again. So I guess it could happen with books. Mm, mm. You know, I mean, there are some real book groupies out there, Carolyn. <laughs> now, drumroll. What, what about us? <laughs> That's right. We're them. Drumroll, do you want to know what number one is? Of course I do. Honeybee by Craig Sylvie. Wow. Who Second is- year in a row. It was number one last year, number one this year by a mile. But can you think of a better person? Like he is the nicest person Mm. imaginable. Mm. Hugely talented writer. What's really interesting to me is that when he wrote Jasper Jones, that's got to be more than 10 years ago now. Mm. And then of course they made a film, which I really liked. Then there was a long period of time where he didn't really write fiction. And then Honey Bee has kind of stormed out of the blocks. But also this year we've had Runt from mm. Craig Sylvie, the mm. children's book. Mm. Which was sold really well over Christmas. And which I would say was one of my favourite books of the year. Yeah. I mean, that story of um, resilience, that little girl who decides, you know, that they're not going to lose their, their family property. She's going to take that old mutt to a, <laughs> to a show and she's going to win a cash prize. I mean, the idea that family is everything and we're all in this together and you've got to pull together Mm. during hard times, I think really resonated with readers. Now, Honey Bee is an interesting, uh, it's interesting to me that Runt didn't get to the top. His Mm. earlier book, Honey Bee, got to the top. Why do you think it is? Well, I think when I look at the profile of our readers, they really love a good story. Now, they would have, they've would they've liked Runt because they've told us. However, I think Honeybee really resonated with a lot of people about, 
I think he gets the human story right, the human touch right. And there's always a little bit of adversity. And when he talks about Honeybee and how that story came about, true story where he um, was driving home from the airport and they did stop. They saw a person on the bridge, he and his sister, I think, and they thought that 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 young person might jump and they stopped. Now, you know, that's not... That was the kernel of the story, if you like, and that's how it all started. But I think he's got that um, that really deep human connection mm-hmm. with his characters and therefore that speaks to the reader. And that was true in Jasper Jones too, wasn't well. it? He understands that life is really difficult mm-hmm. and at times really brutal. And when you feel that you're dealing with something traumatic – you can sometimes think to yourself, what is the point? Mm. Like, why, why mm. am I having to suffer like this? I just want the suffering to end. Mm. And he really understood that in Jasper Jones. We, those of you who have read the story will understand what I mean when I say that. The idea that for some people it's just too much. Mm. But pulling somebody back from the edge, literally in this case, is one of the things that we do as human beings, I think, every day. Mm. I mean, anytime you have even the smallest, kindest reaction or exchange with someone. Mm. Um, I find it even in things like acts of grace, you know, when even when someone lets you in in the traffic or mm. or stops to say, or hey. Or holds the lift. Yeah, or stops yeah. to say, gee, that's a great dress or whatever mm. it is. It, you do feel that in those small, tiny moments, life can be worth living. Mm. I don't know if you're like me. I see short story everywhere I look and short story is a really uh, favourite genre of mine. And I might be walking in the park with my dog and I'll see somebody do something and that forms into a little story in my head. Well, the other day, um, Barry Otto walks in my park with his partner and this particular day he was there with his daughter and we were all walking in the park. They don't have a dog. They just come for a walk. And they ended up looking for shelter because it started to rain. And they ended up in the bus stop directly across my apartment block, three of them. And it was pouring. I mean, the skies had opened up. And I got in the lift and I thought, they they don't have an umbrella. I'm going to go up and see if I can get an umbrella. You know, I didn't know whether they'd still be there when I came back. But off I went. I got it. I got yeah, one or two umbrellas, I think. And I came down and they were still at the bus stop. And I crossed the street and I gave them the umbrellas. And they're like, we can't take these. You know, we don't know you. How will we return them? (laughs) I said, does it really matter? They're just umbrellas and I want you to stay dry. And I just crossed the street. Now, that was a short story in my head. Mm -hmm. But also an act of grace, an act of kindness. Yeah. And you're right that that is what Craig Sylvie captures so particularly beautifully in all of his works. Mm. The idea that you only have to do small things every day to really change someone else's outlook of what the world can be like. And also just looking and observing. I mean, so many people would have seen them under the shelter. Yes. You know? well, <laughs> yes. Don't you think? It's just really looking, observing, acting. That's what it's about. I think Trent Dalton's like that too. He is. He has a real, yeah. he, well, he has an enormous heart. Mm. Actually, he has been writing uh, this week about Barry Humphreys, who's mm. recently died. And mm. I, 
he's describing Barry Humphreys as having an enormous heart. Mm. He was fabulous to young people in particular, young mm. people who were trying to make a go of things in either literature or the arts because, of course, Barry Humphreys was a wonderful writer as well. As well, you know, yeah. And, we and Dame Edna wrote a few yes, books too. Yeah. You know? And they were always bestsellers. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And I was reading Trent on Barry and I was thinking, but you're, you're, you're cut from the same cloth, the two of yeah. you. You know, you're really yeah. big-hearted, warm, generous, kind people. Yeah. I um, It made me go through through, you know, I was on YouTube or something and I was flicking through all the clips, <laughs> Dame Edna, and that was so funny, but so simply funny. You know, I disagree with simple. I think they were the perfect jokes. They I mean, were everyone so has seen good. the clip where he interrupts uh, Camilla and Charles yes. at the variety but wasn't performance. It simple? But it's perfect. It is. It's, it's not a wasted word. At all. And I did hear another one too. It came to me from the New York Times. Apparently, Dame Edna had four children. Wow. She had. Uh, um, Kenny, who was her gay son who made all of her costumes. Yeah. She had Bruce, who she didn't like, and she had the despised Valmay. But there was also a fourth child whose name was Lois, and apparently Lois was abducted by a koala when she oh. was still an infant. And Dame Edna used to tell the reviewer, or told the reviewer at the New York Times, that she never gave up looking for Lois. Every time I pass a eucalyptus, I look up. <laughs> That joke is so wicked. It's it is so <laughs> wicked and it is so perfect. And again, not a word wasted. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, you have to be, you have to have a certain level of confidence yeah. to get away with saying something quite that wicked. But I wonder, I mean, and I don't know this and I'm sure I can find out, did, was he scripted or did that just always, they just came out? Do you know what? I... I had an experience with Barry Humphreys when I was based in New York. I was a New York correspondent for the City Morning Herald and The Age in Melbourne and I accompanied him on one of his tours because he was massive on Broadway at the time. Hardworking. Yeah, incredibly hardworking and we went to uh, Connecticut together. We sat in the back of his car, three or four hour drive. Gee, it was entertaining. One of the great, And we went to an art gallery because he was always trying to root out little bits of art and and then I sat in on the show and I watched and there was a woman there. He took her shoes um, and he was handling them with, uh, with tongs on the stage. <laughs> it, was, it was excruciating to be part of the audience. You know, he was, his face, you know, he had that face that was like plasticine and, and he was sort of screwing up his face at these terrible shoes that she'd worn to, the, to his show and, and sort of holding them at arm's length. And then years later I wondered to myself, was she a plant in the audience? Yeah. You never... You never quite knew because how do you know someone like that doesn't become, you know, near suicidal (laughs) with self-loathing after you've been publicly humiliated? Let me tell you, let me tell you, I've got a shoe story. Years and years ago, it wasn't me, it was a friend of mine. Um, Her boss didn't like her shoes. They were too high and too pointy. And she came into the office one morning and her boss had bought her a replacement pair of shoes. (laughs) 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 And they were like chemist shoes. Well, you know, know, men can be funny about shoes too. Yeah, well, these were two women. But anyway, I always thought that was the funniest story. And how would I react to somebody saying, your shoes are terrible, put these on? Put these on instead. Yeah, anyway. My children sometimes ask me if I shop at the old lady ugly shoe store Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. after you get past 45, you're looking for comfort. You're looking for comfort. (laughs) That's right. I said there's no such thing as the old lady comfortable shoe store. I know. Now, listen, I'm going to hit you with another stat, which I don't think you'll be surprised about. In total, so of the 9,000 people, well, the 9,000 people that voted, they voted 70 of the top 100 
were written by women. It doesn't surprise me because actually I was looking at the Dimmick's top 100 the other day too and they had 76% 76 by by women. So I had this conversation with HarperCollins the other day, the popularity of female writers at the moment. They're just on fire. They're absolutely unassailable. And I said to them, but of course... The buying public can only buy what you publish. Mm. So maybe the popularity of these books reflects what you're publishing. You're publishing more and more women. And the people from HarperCollins said to me that that was true. They didn't have a breakdown themselves. But I did see some data from my friends at Random House who said that of the books they published last year, only 30% were by men. So it is becoming harder for men to get published. Publishers are leaning in the direction of female uh, b- books written by women, and those are the books that are being bought. Although that that's a bit of chicken and egg too, isn't mm. it? Because if you walk into a bookstore and seventy percent of the books are by women, mm. then presumably seventy percent of the books you're going to sell are also going to be by women. I, look, we've had this conversation because a lot of people say to us very often that we're more, you know, female centric, and we are because also too it reflects the buying public. I think ninety percent of women of people who buy books are women anyway. But you know, I don't think I. I don't read a story on gender of the author. No. I really don't. No, I don't and I don't think many people do. Right. I think the I think that the um the tension, if there is any, the tension in the community at the moment is can young talented men still get a break? Mm. So for example, I had a publisher come into the well, office the, the other day. There's a couple. Like there, there is a couple. Jasper but, jo- Craig Sylvie. Although he's been in the game a long time. I mean yeah. since since the kind of Me Too movement, for example. Benjamin Stevenson. So, Yes, exactly yeah. right. But I think the tension is, so I had a publisher come into the office the other day mm. with, with their upcoming list. Mm. So this is books that they'll publish between now and the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And of their debut titles, not one was by a man, not mm. one. Mm. And so it is, it, it is certainly true that it is getting harder for young mm. men to get a break. And that could be a reverse of what we always heard. You know how people used to say, well, people don't want to buy books by women. Well, now they're saying, well, people don't mm. want to buy books by men. Mm. So it seems like it's flipped. Mm. And a lot of the work in that area has been done by the people behind the Stella Prize mm. because the Stella Prize, which is for women writers, Absolutely. Has who were largely ignored for many, many were ignored. years. They said for a long time women yeah. cannot get reviewed, yeah. They can't. their books are not taken seriously, they never get shortlisted mm. for prizes and so they set up the Stella Prize mm. themselves. Mm. And as a result, books by women are generating a whole lot more attention. Mm. If you get on the Stella Prize shortlist, never mind winning it, if you get on the shortlist, you're guaranteed a huge bump in sales Mm. because booksellers support the prize, they support the principles behind the prize. Mm. So that's really interesting to me that that now we have a group of male writers saying it's getting too hard for us to get space on bookshelves get reviews, get published. It's really interesting. I was, this is a few years back now, way before COVID, and I was at some function and I was up there talking about, I can't remember, books and reading, I guess. And there was hundreds of women in the room. There might have been maybe over 100. And uh, there were a couple of men, way more. I mean, it was 90% women at least. Anyway, at question time, I said, has anybody got any question? And this man put his hand up very bravely, an older man, and he said, now... Um, I just want to say that the problem with women writing books is they always write about their children. Oh, what rubbish. I mean, and that's I, just... said, I said, can you please sit down? <laughs> it's complete rubbish. I and said, also... can you please sit down? Because that is one, not true, and two, not helpful. And, okay? 
<laughs> it's actually not helpful. And the other, I mean, the women that I meet at writers' festivals and at, at yeah, uh, and on exactly. book tours and so on are incredibly oh, smart, yeah. hugely engaged, very politically active, very community-oriented, very family-oriented, mm. very, um, you know, they're totally up to date with all the major events that are going on around the world. And great often, storytellers. Yeah, great storytellers. And often they're at an age, if they're read. I'm talking about readers mm. as opposed to the writers, oh, uh, right. the people yeah. who attend the festivals, they're at an age where, for example, the kids might be up and on their feet and out of the house. So they've got more time to devote to their communities, mm. to community theatre, to book club, to going mm. out for dinner, to being politically engaged, to working on climate change or refugees or the referendum for the voice. or all. You know, these are the most politically switched on, intelligent, creative, interesting people in the community. And it really annoys me when people dismiss them as just women readers reading women's books. Yeah. They are the best of us. Yeah. They really are. You, yeah. you, you won't find a group of people more switched on. Oh, I totally agree with that. I mean, uh, and I am energised by women's stories, women writers, uh, you know, so much. I, you know, I, uh, I think, well, probably 90% of our podcasts are, are women authors. And I don't do that deliberately. It just kind of, as you say, it happens organically. Um, really interesting. Um, there's a lot happening and a lot coming up. But I want to know if you're going to the Arbia Awards. The Australian Book Industry Associ- Association Awards. The Arbia Awards have a reputation for being the worst night of the year. Now, why is that? Well, can I just say, Caroline, I've been going, I think, and this is a conservative count, but I reckon I've been to every one and I've probably been to 25 of them. So that's 25 years of Arbia. And how many of them have you loved? I'm not going to say. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, what is the problem with the Arbia Awards? Because the books they give the prizes to are fantastic. They're really fantastic. They are really fantastic. And go to the website. Amazing authors go there. Amazing amazing authors turn up and either present the prize or collect their prize. Mm -hmm. The year that Julia Baird won and gave that that. speech about her mother, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Just astonishing. I I think her mother had died that day or the day before. Yeah, the day before. I was up there. And it was astonishing. And yet... Within the book industry, we, we must be so spoilt because there's always these grumbles. Oh, do we have to go to the Arbias? I'm going and I'm very proudly going. And, we and met. I'm going to have a good time. We, you and I met at the Arbia. We did. We were sitting at the same table. Yeah, about 10 right. years ago. Well, it's Thursday, May the 25th, and I don't know if I told you this, but Jane and I, we're hosting the red carpet. I know. Do you know? I'm so excited. <laughs> so and you I'm need to gonna, frock up, and you need to walk over to us, and we need to interview you. <laughs> I'll have to. I'll have to find something absolutely magnificent to wear. What's the dress code? Is it black tie again? Yeah, it's it black is tie. black tie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to so dress up. So to the up. floor? Are you going to go to the floor? No, no. I'm wearing a silk number. I think I'm not going to say what colour, but I am. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I might see if I can get something book themed, and I can be like Sarah Hansen Young at the at the <laughs> 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 hey, listen, and there's something else we're up to. I mean, I don't know. I've come back from San Francisco and Jane, and every, all our listeners know Jane, has signed me up for just about everything. So um, HarperCollins HQ have got this fabulous idea of sending authors out to rural and remote communities. I think it's a brilliant idea. And they're calling the tour When Love Comes to Town. Oh, my goodness. That's clever. Do you love that? Yeah, yeah. I love that so much. Anyway, Thursday the 4th of May, 
uh, jump on our website because we've got all the details there. I'm going to be moderating. I don't know what Jane's doing, but she's doing something. She'll be there. And we'll be talking to authors about love, romance and all sorts of things. Where will you be? We're going to be in Tamworth. At in Avenue. Tamworth? Yeah, yeah. Country music capital of Australia. Great we, town. Fantastic town. We are getting town. the train. We are going to Tamworth. And Rachel Johns is going to be on the panel. Oh, she's the best. Yeah, she's, she's the, one of the nicest people. so much fun. She is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. She's funny as well. Yeah, she's funny as well. And also there's a wonderful um, ABC radio um, personality down there. I think her name is uh, Christy Reading and she's going to be there as well. So I think we're going to have great fun and it's open to anyone. So if you're in Tamworth, Thursday the 4th of May, when love comes to town. Fabulous. Fabulous. All right, until next time, my friend. See ya. See ya. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.